You're listening to Cure PC Conversations, a series of discussions to provide information about pancreatic cancer, highlight the progress made with research, and share stories of individuals who have been impacted by the disease. Welcome, I'm Colleen McVeigh with News 12 Long Island, and I'm your host for today's podcast. Now, our conversation will focus on providing important information about pancreatic cancer for those who are newly diagnosed and for their family members also and their friends. Joining me today, two experts on this subject. First, Carrie Kaplan, the executive director and COO of the Lust Garden Foundation, which is the nation's largest private funder of pancreatic cancer research. Also with us, someone who wears many hats as a scientist, physician, and professor, Dr. David Tuvison. And Dr. Tuvison serves as the director of research for the Lust Garden Foundation and also the director of the Lust Garden Foundation's Pancreatic Cancer Research Lab at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, and let's start now with the basics. Let's just start with what is pancreatic cancer? Dr. Tuvison? Uh, thank you, Colleen. It's uh, exciting to be here. Pancreatic cancer uh, strikes between 40 and 45,000 Americans a year. Unfortunately, most of these patients uh, die of their disease. And the focus of our foundation is to come up with better treatments for this disease and ways to diagnose it early so that patients have the best chance of defeating it. Well, that, that is a big issue, diagnosis. It's so hard to diagnose this disease. Why? The pancreas is a vital organ, meaning that it's required to maintain life, and it's situated right behind your stomach. And so if you imagine where your stomach sits in your body, you can't really see behind it, you can't feel behind it. And so I think that's a major part of the problem. Something can grow to be quite large before it causes symptoms in a patient. And unlike other tissues where doctors can devise tests where they can look with their eyes or special um, microscopes or endoscopes or x-rays, we don't have those type of tests uh, for the pancreas. We have many patients and family members that call the Lescorn Foundation and the majority of them are all calling us when they are stage four pancreatic cancer. It has metastasized outside of the pancreas to the liver or to other places. And all cancers, all cancers that spread are bad. Um, the best chance for survival is catching it early when it can be removed surgically. That's the problem with pancreatic cancer. It's just so rarely caught early because, as David said, the symptoms are very vague. They could be back pain, stomach pain, symptoms that you know you certainly don't think mean you have cancer. And because of the location of the pancreas, you know, a lot of times we feel that there is a tumor there, but it's just not picked up on a CAT scan or, or on an MRI. Is this um, a disease that often goes misdiagnosed because people are just going into the doctor with a back pain? In the past, um, that was one of the common findings, that uh, a patient would go to their physician and be diagnosed with uh, reflux disease and be given antacids and their reflux wouldn't get better. Um, and in fact, as uh, Carrie was saying, they may develop then some back pain and some weight loss. And this is not an uncommon prodrome before the ultimate diagnosis of, of pancreas cancer. The other finding in about a third of the patients is that they wake up and uh, somebody close to them says, your, your eyes are yellow. That's uh, a, a, a medical uh, condition uh, called scleral icterus where you have jaundice of the whites of your eyes. 
and uh, that's not normal. That only happens when your liver is failing or when your bile duct is blocked, and the latter is what's occurring in pancreas cancer if the tumor is located at the head of the pancreas. The tumors we're talking about could be anywhere from the size of a, a small grape to as large as, a, let's say, a tennis ball in size. And depending on where it's located, the symptoms one may have, be none or multiple, uh, are dependent upon that. And so as Carrie said, it's frustrating uh, for physicians and for families because they can't tell ahead of time that there's something wrong because many of us get uh, upset stomach or reflux if we eat the wrong foods, um, things like that. And weight loss or weight gain is, again, something that commonly occurs in many of us. The, the foundation seeks to identify new ways to detect this cancer early. And uh, we're devising a variety of approaches. Some are blood tests. Some are new imaging techniques. We have a very open mind as to what will be needed to, uh, to develop these new technologies. Anybody who uh, is listening to this and they have sought out this podcast because they are either newly diagnosed or have a loved one who is, what, what happens after you're diagnosed? What kind of treatments are available? Well, we, we definitely encourage people to call the Luscarn Foundation and to visit our website, www.curepc.org. There's a lot of great information on that website. Um, our, our office is in Bethpage, Long Island, and our phone number there is 516-803-2304. Uh, we have wonderful materials for patients. Um, you know, as sort of had a how to find a treatment center, how to navigate clinical trials, how to manage your life after surgery. Uh, so we can provide a lot of great information. Uh, we encourage all patients to talk to their doctors about clinical trials that are available. Um, right now, uh, the best outcome would be if, if, it, if the tumor was contained and they could have surgery. Um, if not, they, they would have chemotherapy or potentially radiation. So, you know, there are treatment options, but, you know, in truth, the prognosis is, is, is only a 7% survival rate. Um, and what the purpose of the Luscorton Foundation is to fund research to really improve that survival rate. You know, we need better therapies, we, we just talked about, obviously early detection would be tremendous, you know, foot forward, but also, you know, there will always be people that are not caught early. And, you know, in the last few years, we do have two new chemotherapy regimens that are helping patients. Uh, but um, Dr. Tuvison will tell you, it's still not a cure. We need a chemotherapy that is really going to be targeted and, you know, like other cancers, go on this chemotherapy and, 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 it, and it puts you into remission. That, you know, that's where we need to be. The, the main issue a patient has when they're newly diagnosed is, is to know whether or not they are a candidate for surgery or not. If you're a candidate for surgery, you usually have a small tumor that's localized to a part of your pancreas where it can be safely removed. And in that scenario, you would then uh, go for an operation, and after recovery, you would then get uh, a form of chemotherapy. If the tumor, though, is not confined to the pancreas and is spread outside, 
then the patient um, would not be a candidate for surgery because it hasn't been shown that operations in that setting provides any advantage to the patient. So in that scenario, the patient then would get systemic therapy, medicine uh, through the intravenous route, chemotherapies usually, and there are two which are approved right now to use in America um, by the FDA. One is called Fulfirinox, the other one is Gemcitabine plus Abraxane. These are the regimens that most patients would be offered. And they're active, meaning that they do kill pancreas cancer cells and shrink tumors, and they do prolong the survival of patients. But as Carrie said, they don't put patients into remission. They don't make the disease go away. And they buy patients time, but they don't give them back the life that they want. How much time are they buying? They're buying several months, and in some cases, they're buying several years. And so that's a broad range. And it depends on the genetics of their tumor in terms of the response, as well as the ability of the patient to tolerate the therapies. And so what we seek, as Carrie um, noted, are medicines which are more of the magic bullet, the medicines that hurt the cancer cell but leave the normal cells intact. We don't have those medicines yet, and that's the other main objective of our foundation, is to, to find medical approaches which shrink the tumors but leave the body fine, just like an antibiotic would hurt the infection but leave you fine. So we seek that medicine as well as seeking this new method to detect and diagnose the disease early. I think if we had both of those things, um, we would be a lot further along uh, in giving patients back uh, a quantity and quality of life. Now, a lot of this research going on nationwide or at Cold Spring Harbor Lab? The laboratory at Cold Spring Harbor was uh, founded to be uh, a, uh, a lab fully dedicated for pancreas cancer research. I was recruited uh, to lead that lab um, and to, to, to join us in this fight, who, are, who also now have um, similar stature of, of my own in terms of devoting a very large portion of their laboratory to pancreas cancer research. One other laboratory at Cold Spring Harbor, a laboratory at Johns Hopkins, and a laboratory um, at the Salk Institute in San Diego. We've actually devoted um, $110 million to research since our inception. Uh, the Lusgarten Foundation was founded in 1998 after Mark Lusgarten, hence the name, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, Mark was vice chairman at Cablevision, uh, and at the time he was diagnosed, he was only 52 years old, and he got together with Charles Dolan, the chairman of Cablevision, and James Dolan, the CEO of Cablevision, to start a foundation to find a cure for pancreatic cancer. At that time, there was no single foundation dedicated to this. There was very little known about the disease. The government was funding half of 1% of its money for cancer research on pancreatic cancer. There was absolutely nowhere to turn. The Luskartans and the Dolans decided that they needed to change that, and they established the Luskarten Foundation. We've given away you know, more than $100 million in research and, you know, we have made tremendous strides. You know, I mentioned there are new therapies now. We talked about early detection, um, new kinds of therapies, including using a person's own immune system to fight pancreatic cancer. That's showing success in some other cancers. Um, we understand that a pancreatic cancer tumors form a membrane around them that prevents chemotherapy from getting into the tumor. 
David Tuvison pioneered um, the work that showed that first in a mouse and now in the humans, and we understand we need to penetrate that better. So we've made so much progress, but you know, more needs to be done, and just that's what the Lust Garden Foundation will do is fun research to get us to that point where there's a cure for this disease. And I think an important point too is any anybody who donates to the Lust Garden Foundation, all of their money goes to research because Cablevision underwrites the cost of running the foundation. So if someone donates to the Lust Garden Foundation, it, it, it's all going to this important research, which is so desperately needed. Exactly. Cablevision has been our partner since our inception. And our administrative costs are underwritten by Cablevision. So every dollar donated goes to research, just like you said. So we have all kinds of events around the country that raise money, and every dollar of that goes to research. That's, that's how we were able to establish the dedicated lab at Cold Spring Harbor and fund our other distinguished scholars and, and you know, really move forward on such critical research funding. Um, is there a, a certain age group that's more susceptible to this disease, or does it affect more men than women? The median age of developing a pancreas cancer is 63. And so what that means is half the people um, are younger than 63 and half the people are over than 63. But if you asked what's the most common age that you see it, it's usually in elderly uh, folks, so older than even that, that age of most of the patients. That said, there are um, a number of individuals in their 20s and their 30s that develop pancreatic cancer. And in fact, there have now been at least two teenagers that I'm, I've been aware of who've been diagnosed with this disease. Oh, you know, one of our uh, researchers always says, the history of medicine is once you understand the disease, it's just a matter of time before you conquer it. We have to keep supporting research and plugging away and uh, supporting a lot of different ideas, um, and, and we're getting there. We are getting closer. It's, it's going to be early detection. It's going to be better drugs. This cancer, actually, we know has one gene that's actually mutated in almost every patient that has that cancer. You know, we hope there's going to be a big something that happens that's going to take this disease to, oh my gosh, now we have a better therapy. Mm -hmm. Now we have the test. It's a breakthrough. You know, I, you know, when it's going to happen. When you talk about a gene, is there a possibility, is there any, that it's hereditary at all? Between 10 to 20% of all patients seem to have a familial pattern to their pancreas cancer. And when the DNA is sequenced from the normal cells in their body, um, some of the reasons for that familial pattern uh, can be discovered. So similar to the genes that are responsible for increasing the risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer, those same genes actually do increase the risk of pancreas cancer, um, the BRCA genes particularly BRCA2. There are additional genes also. But as Carrie said, there's one gene, uh, the KRAS gene, which is mutated in patients that have a familial pattern and in patients that have a sporadic pattern. And this gene is always present. It's always mutated. But the protein product of the gene is one for which we haven't yet devised a medicine 
that can counteract the effects of this of this broken gene. This is, you know, really the challenge of the present in terms of this disease. If you can come up with an active therapy that would correct the KRAS mutation, you would have made a huge advance uh, for this disease and for the others where this mutation seems to be the driving force that causes and maintains the cancer. We've learned over time that this has been the most elusive mutation, even though it was one of the first identified uh, that one could develop a medicine against. And the RAS projects that the Lesgarden Foundation supports are aimed at directly trying to correct that. We've made some progress, but again, it's going to take a sustained, persistent, dogged approach. You know, we really have two problems. One is we don't have a good drug for the main cause of pancreas cancer. And the second is we don't have a, an effective way to detect the cancer when the cancer is tiny, when the cancer is young. And if, if we can solve these problems, this disease would be um, not on the list that it's on right now, which is you know, the most lethal form of cancer in humans. And, uh, and we would have uh, you know, gone a long way in, in restoring vitality uh, to individuals who still have a lot of life in them, a lot of things that they would like to accomplish, dreams to, uh, uh, to, um, to follow and you know, grandchildren to raise. And so you know, our foundation is really focused on giving people their lives back through fixing and stopping this awful disease called pancreatic cancer. Yeah, do you have any advice for those people listening right now who've either been newly diagnosed or their loved one has been? Um, I think it's very important um, to get to the right treatment facility. Uh, because pancreatic cancer is, affects a small population relative to other cancers, you know, just, just under 50,000 people a year, um, you need a doctor that knows this cancer, understands what treatments are available. It won't just open the book and find it. So um, you really need to make sure that you're seeing a doctor that treats pancreatic cancer patients. Um, I welcome listeners to call the foundation. Um, our 800 number is 866-789-1000, or to visit our website, curepc.org. Uh, get information. Uh, we can. We have a dedicated uh, patient services coordinator who gives lots of referrals to patients and sends out all kinds of information that we have. We have a handbook, understanding pancreatic cancer. We have an interview with an expert series. So, I would say by all means call the foundation. Uh, we can give you lots of resources, but you know make sure that you are at a, at a facility and a doctor that treats pancreatic cancer. I think in some parts of the country, you know, you could be at a GI doctor that's maybe seen one or two pancreatic cancer patients in their lives, and, you know, that, that's not going to be good enough, um, even if you have to travel to the right center. And we can help people sort of navigate that. Um, that information is in our handbook. And are there certain regions in the nation that there are, I guess, better treatments? Well, bigger, I guess the, the bigger cities? Well, I would say the, the good news is there's, a, there's 
all over the country, from New York to California to Houston, you know, Massachusetts, so all over the country, there's wonderful centers dedicated to treating patients with pancreatic cancers. Um, you know, and, and we think clinical trials are so important, so you definitely want to ask your doctor about what clinical trials are available. Um, you know, that clinical trials really push research forward, and they can, you know, personally help the person being treated. Um, you know, that's the way new discoveries are made all the time. And, and doctor, what about risk factors? The risk factors for pancreas cancer include tobacco exposure, uh, obesity, chronic pancreatitis, and, and so these are environmental mm -hmm. uh, hazards that can, that can cause these. These are the main risk factors that we think of, and therefore, since that does not in include most patients who are diagnosed with pancreas cancer, we also um, know that there are other things uh, at play. And so we're looking for uh, ways to identify patients when they have none of these risk, risk factors, um, but there is also the underlying genetic predisposition and certain families have a higher risk. And so Ashkenazi Jews have, you know, carry the BRCA1 and 2 genes, uh, mutations in their genes, and, and they're at an elevated risk compared to others. The awareness of this disease has increased a lot over the past uh, 20 years, thanks in large part to the foundations that study pancreatic cancer um, and to the, uh, to the efforts of uh, the National uh, Cancer Institute. And because of this, um, as Carrie said, there is now knowledge that uh, pancreas cancer operation should only occur in centers where enough surgeries are performed that not only is the surgeon very competent at it, but the supportive care that a patient can get after surgery is um, in place. This is a huge issue uh, for patients after they receive an operation for pancreatic cancer. Clinical trials is, the, is really the um, the best option for patients uh, with newly diagnosed pancreatic cancer after it becomes clear whether or not they're a surgical candidate. And we strongly encourage that uh, all patients consider enrolling on a clinical trial. Can you explain that? How does that work? The way it works is that if, if a patient has a new diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, um, they get the diagnosis oftentimes from their gastroenterologist. And the gastroenterologist refers the patient to a cancer doctor, an oncologist, either a medical oncologist or a surgical oncologist. And in that few days to few weeks referral, um, the patient will hear about standard therapies and experimental therapies. Experimental therapies are uh, in a clinical trial where a patient would agree to um, embark upon an investigational study where uh, the lead uh, physician will be testing whether or not there is a better medicine for pancreatic cancer, for example. Not enough of our patients enroll on these trials, and unless they do, we will not learn what's the right way to take care of this disease. And it's, it is a huge issue and, and one for which the Les Garden Foundation um, is participating in raising the awareness of individuals about uh, the opportunities to enroll on clinical trials. Clinical trials are expensive. They can only occur in centers of excellence, and they're not available everywhere. Not every doctor's office would have a clinical trial. Usually that would be in a university setting, for example, and in the bigger cities, as, as you mentioned previously. Uh, that's something we work on. 
as a foundation? What are ways to increase the number of clinical trials out there? And we actually even try to um, support clinical trials that people come to us with. And uh, working uh, with Stand Up to Cancer, another uh, large uh, cancer foundation uh, in America. Um, and we think the research will lead to the clinical trials, the clinical trials will lead to the improved standard of care, and ultimately to what uh, Carrie was talking about where remissions uh, will be seen. A clinical trial, does someone pay for that? Does insurance cover that? How, do, how does that work? But the patient doesn't have to pay for it. It, it comes, it's funded. The Luscorn Foundation is really looking at more translational work, which is translating from the bench to the bedside, more clinical trials. And I, I think it bears repeating that the unique thing about the foundation is that every dollar we raise goes directly to research, thanks to Cablevision support. So our research investment has grown tremendously. Last year alone, we invested um, almost $35 million in research in one year. And since our inception, $110 million in research. Um, you know, because we, we need more clinical trials and we need more people out there studying these problems. Um, and so our mission is really about research for a cure. And to do that, you need more people to help raise money. I know you have, I know big fundraisers here in the New York area, you have them across the country? All over the country. Um, you know, visit the website, curepc.org. There's all kinds of ways to get involved around the country, whether it's participating in a walk or, you know, hundreds of different kinds of community events that we have. Colleen, you have been with us at the Long Island Walk since our inception. You've always emceeded and, and met the thousands of people that come out to support it. Um, Which started with just a few hundred people, and right. it's so nice. A tiny little walk turned into this giant walk, Jones Beach, and uh, I think the thing that, I'm so glad there's large numbers, but the thing that we need to see, more survivors crossing the line. Yeah. It's usually relatives who have lost loved ones, and so this has got to become a survivor's walk. Someday, yep, this is going I, to be a survivor's agree. walk. I mean, the, the thing about this disease is it just turns a family on its head. Most people, you know, I hear all the time, I, I didn't even really have any idea what the pancreas did, let alone that you could get pancreatic cancer and that it's, it's lethal. So the, the families that come to these walks, they do not want other families to go through what they went through. We have a, a public awareness campaign, so we have lots of... Um, television and print ads, which have brought awareness to the disease, but um, it's an unbelievable supportive community of people that are joining us in the fight, helping to raise money, um, that just, they just want to see a cure. We had um, 68,000 donors to the foundation last year. It's just an unbelievable number of people that you know, know how important it is to raise money for research for pancreatic cancer. Thanks for listening to Cure PC Conversations. Cure PC Conversations is produced by the Cure PC Campaign, 
a public awareness campaign made possible by Cablevision in support of the Lesgarten Foundation, where 100% of every dollar donated goes directly to research. You can learn more and get involved in the fight against pancreatic cancer by visiting curepc.org.